welcome back to another episode of In-Depth. My name is Luke Hardacre, and I'm a surf coach at Ombi. If you're new to Ombi, we take a look at surfing from the perspective of ocean, mind, body, and equipment. In this podcast, it's all about straight-to-the-point tips, things that you can take away, implement into your surfing, or things that will make you see surfing in a different way and help you along. Now, I'm going to start this one and say sorry. Last week, I missed an episode completely unintentional. I went halfway across the country in England and completely forgot my microphone, then spent ages trying to figure out how my phone would work, my laptop, my headphones, and all of it just sound like I was recording with a potato. So I just went, no, I can't do this. I can't put out an episode like this that I think is going to be a really good one and have it on such low quality. Uh, So yeah, forgive me for that. I was extremely disorganized. There has been a ton of new things in the two weeks since I've recorded a podcast is really exciting. So first and foremost, if there's one thing you want to do, it's go check out the new Ombi method 2.0, whatever you want to consider it. So to give you a bit of background, this is all of Clay's coaching, everything that Ombi means, ocean mind, body equipment. This is Clay and I, with my time in Australia and with his family having COVID, we were stuck in a room for a week, which then ended up being five weeks together. We took a long, hard look at Ombi along with the rest of the team, with Ant, Nico, and Jeremy, and really wanted to encapsulate so much more about what Ombi is and how this, how to improve your surfing and what it means to be going through this journey and to be understood and felt and explain these processes of what you're going. This is completely free. This is beyond the old PDF. This is a whole new training program, video production, all of it. We're super pumped for it. It's completely free. If you want to check it out, want to go through it, a link is in the show notes. If you're getting this through the emails and everywhere else, then you'll have a link for it already. But that's there. That's on the community platform. It's out now. It's in the world. So I'd planned to say it was ready next week, but because I was so uselessly lazy and forgot my microphone, you have it now. The next thing is we have fully moved to subscription. If you aren't up to date, all of your programs, you should already be given, if you've previously bought them, you should have lifetime access to everything automatically. If you don't, just message us. Uh, If not, subscription is live. You'll find the description in the link below so you can get access to everything for one price and come and go as you please. We find that's so much more beneficial to the user, allows you to jump in and jump out when you want, try things, figure it all out. It's a much better system. So for everyone that has supported Ombi, this has been amazing and thank you very much. The last little update is we've redone the website, which is not the community platform, which is where most people will see. If you are new to Ombi, you've never gotten involved, you want to understand what program I want to go through, there's a link in the show notes called where to start with Ombi. This is, we've now put all our training programs in one place and allowed you to categorize them and filter them based on where you're at, what you want to work on, what these programs include, dive into them and see. It's so simple now. It's just simplified the process of figuring out where to start with Ombi. Now, obviously we recommend if you're a beginner, go to the six week or the six session beginner program, Surf Start. And then there's the surf smart for intermediates. And then we have the monthly challenges, which are your deep dives into all of your signature maneuvers and everything else each month. 
but this allows you to see what's already there, what's coming new. We're going to keep expanding the coming new area and keep uploading this all the time. So you can just jump in and find where the hell do I want to bloody start? That's the whole point. So without further ado, let's get into this week's actual episode. So jumping into this topic, crowded lineups and how to find more waves and read the ocean better, I wanted to build up some information that I want to keep this brief and onto the point, which is the previous week's episode is all about etiquette. So there's always going to be questions about etiquette. Go back and listen to that if you have questions about etiquette, because that will cover pretty much anything you will come up with. I will touch base on it at the very end of this. The other podcast that is essential listening to this topic, because this is such a broad topic, is episode two, which is what you know of paddling is wrong. And this is about the whole concept of people paddling straight to the beach instead of to the peak. So this is another core concept and I will touch base when it comes up. So to get this episode started, I really want to ask you a question and this is to help you understand where you're at with this thing. Is it a bigger problem than what you understand? So crowded lineups, do they make you avoid surfing altogether or do you find yourself getting frustrated? Do you wish you could catch more waves and improve your wave reading ability? Now, fundamental to most services, we know we want to read the ocean better. So this is key. This is going to go through so many different things for you in your surfing today. So this is one you may have to listen to again or read over, but I'll give you things on how you can implement this into your surfing. I want you to be able to navigate the crowd and put yourself in position regardless of this crowd. And I'm going to do it without resulting in dropping in. This is not like some quick fixes or anything that's going to try and make you feel like you're doing the wrong thing. So no matter where you surf, if it's beach breaks, reef breaks, point breaks, or the wave pool, it's kind of the same principle. To catch more waves, you want to identify where the peak is first. And reading waves and the conditions, they're going to drastically help you in finding the peak. As waves approach, they change shape. They stand up and the lip threatens to break. Where it's threatening to break the most is where it's going to break first. But there's no quick fix for this one. You need to spend the time reading the ocean to get better at this. And most surfers are going to make this mistake. They get to the beach and they just paddle out where the crowd gathered. It's like we're a bunch of sheep. They never take the time to stop and assess the conditions. Sure, you may sit there with your friend and be like, yeah, man, it's pumping, let's go. But that's a little bit different than taking the time to observe and see what's actually happening. And advanced surfers, they do this, even when they may be having those little chats and they can do it really quickly. And it comes with experience. And if that's not you, I suggest taking a few minutes each surf to observe the conditions so you can get more waves. What you're looking for is, where is the wave consistently breaking? How is the water moving? How fast is it breaking? Where are the sections? Where do you want to sit? Where do you want to paddle out? So on and so forth. Just need to have a quick little chat with yourself and figure these things out. So seriously, spend the five minutes watching the surf and figuring this one out. What you also need to do is forget the crowd. 
Now, this sounds weird. To surf with a crowd, you need to forget about the crowd. But trust me on this. This will change the whole experience. And all you need to do, like I said, is just ignore them. Imagine they aren't there. Forget them. They're just a distraction. If you think about most average surfers, they're sitting way out on the shoulder and they're out of position. So why follow them and sit with them? Seriously, like, why would you want to do it? This sounds like a recipe for disaster, and that's what it is. It's the blind leading the blind. So forget about them. Your task of looking at the conditions and not looking at the crowd will tell you where you want to be. If you identify where that peak is, you'll start noticing a lot of the crowd isn't actually there. Now you can look at that crowd and go, oh right, most of these people might as well just be swimmers because they're out of position. They're of no competition to me. What you also want to observe is who is actually in the right place and getting the right waves. Who is making it look easy? Note them because if you see them out in the water, you can use them as a marker to help position better. Basically, follow the more advanced surfers. They know something you don't, so don't go and sweat on them, but just hang around near. Keep watching them, observing them, seeing what they're doing. If you take those five minutes and really assess the conditions and assess the surfers and the crowd, who's doing what and who's not, you can now paddle out with a bit more of certainty of where to sit, how to ignore the crowd, and how to follow the certain good people in the crowd. This can change the whole way you start that surf and your expectations. And whether or not this is going to be positive or a negative surf. That's honestly so powerful just how you start the surf. But when you are out in the lineup, you need to look at these conditions again. And this is where it gets harder because you are now inside the painting and you're not sitting back from the shore and looking at it. It's that traditional artist thing where you can't see the painting if you're in it, you've got to take a step back and really look at it. This is what you're going through when you're in the lineup and why it becomes harder. So find your place and ask the same questions. Look for the more advanced surfers you saw before and what they're doing. Are they sitting where you said you would? Have the conditions changed? Do you need to move or stay? Take your time because this is important. Like, Don't worry about every single wave coming through. Worry about how can I position myself to have a dig at the next 10 waves coming through. What this means is you need to be able to, one, read the ocean from a third-person perspective, which is from the shore. And then you also need to be able to read the ocean from a first-person perspective, which is when you're in the lineup. Obviously, your view from within the lineup is the most important, but if it's not up to scratch and you don't know what you're looking for and you're getting mixed signals, the time you took before paddling out will then inform you when you're actually out there. It's giving you the extra information to improve your first-person perspective. It's a very fast way to improve your ability to read the ocean. The only other part of reading the ocean we really care about is when we're actually riding a wave. Well, that's going to be for another episode. So if you do look at the show notes, there is the full guide for this. There will be a full but kind of like drone image of this with some waves breaking. This will be helpful for discussing some of the next concepts, but you don't, it's not essential to look at it. 
it's a photo of a couple A-frames and you've got lots of whitewash, two lefts and rights. It looks great. You've got a crowd of surfers, but they are all over the place. The majority of this crowd is sitting on the shoulder. So I would say from this, if you're getting this information from the shore or in the beach, you can say that most of them aren't even catching waves. And I'm gonna explain how you can tell this from just a photo or just from that experience. So you wanna minimize the crowd. That's what this is about. You're forgetting about who's actually out there and who's competition for you. But firstly, when a wave breaks, it follows the sandbank and continues to break along it. This image shows this white water left behind after the waves break. You'll know in your imagination what I'm talking about if you're not looking at the image. And in Ombi, this is what we call the treasure map because it leads us to treasure being the wave. So we always have our names for things because they're very easy ways to remember it and it makes it a little bit more exciting rather than just look at the whitewash. This goes back to trigger words episodes, many other things. There's a whole explanation of that. So this whitewash pattern shows the path the wave took to break. And it shows where the pocket or the peak of the wave is. So as you're paddling, you can use that to find the peak. And that is what we call finding the bus stop. And the bus stop is just the peak, where it first breaks, the very tip of the treasure map, all of those things. So if you're looking at this whitewash map, the crowds of surfers aren't generally anywhere near it. They're not at the peak. There's so many people out of position. It's like saying, I'm going to test drive a, a Ferrari and I'm going to have it for 10 kilometers, but I'm going to start at the five kilometer mark because I'm a bit scared or whatever other reason, fear, anxiety, etc. We just wouldn't do that. We'd start at zero meters so that we can get it for the full 10 meters. So when you're riding a wave, you kind of want to take off right at the peak so you can maximize the fun, get more wave. Unless, yes, nuance, the wave is sectioning, yada, yada, yada. But generally, you want to get the most out of this. So the follow-up question to this is, how the hell do we read this treasure map? How do we read the whitewash knowing what the wave's actually going to do and where we want to sit with it? So I want you to spend your time observing the waves and always watching the conditions. They're going to change. So I either want you to look out at the swell incoming or every so often watch the wave going behind you or past you and breaking and look at the whitewash left behind. If you're trying to find your position, I'd be using both very quickly, looking at the whitewash, looking at the waves coming in, thinking, mm, what information have I got? Where can I use this to find my position? After those waves are broken, that whitewash is your key to positioning, but also how fast and how sectiony the waves are. Like how fast is it breaking? How is it straight? Is it slow? And it's also going to tell you what it wants you to do to some degree, which comes back to your first person experience riding the wave. When you can read the wave, then that's different. If the whitewash treasure map is practically straight and parallel to the beach, it's a closeout. It's saying everything is breaking at once. If it's on a triangle kind of shape, it says the tip of the triangle is the peak and it has a right and a left. Now, if you look at both sides of that triangle, the more shallow or flat that angle, so the whitewash, means the straighter and faster that wave was. Now, this comes back to your straight handers. 
So somewhere in between those two, you want to start now gauging, okay, if it's perfectly straight, then I don't want that. But if there's an angle to it, I start seeing more opportunity. The final, I guess, key that you're looking for on this treasure map is if the whitewash is on a very steep angle, it's breaking slower. And this means it's going to have more sections or it's going to have less push or it's going to go along like a point break. You'll tend to see this quite often unless you've got a fast point break. There's very different ways this angle can be seen, but the steeper that angle is, the slower it's going to break. If you've got a high period, you may have a lot of push in it. If you've got a low period, you might have a pretty weak wave. You just, you're going to use that information to show you how to stay in the pocket as well. Knowing what the wave is slower and it doesn't want to race or you don't want to go out to the shoulder, you want to stay here. It's very nuanced, but these three straight shallow angle and steep angle are going to tell you what that wave wants to do because the same thing is when you watch this treasure map, you will see sections of the whitewash where you will have a like 45 degree angle, then it goes straight and you're like, oh great, I can run that in, then there's a closeout roughly there and maybe I can hit the closeout or I can kick out. And similar thing, you might have sections where it goes really slow, then speeds up. So you kind of have to combine all these different perspectives and viewing this treasure map to understand what the wave wants to do. And once it starts clicking in, as you're paddling back out, you're looking at the waves coming in, you're looking at how they're broken and you're going, okay, where do I want to be? How do I line myself up? How are the conditions changing? This is a, something that takes a little bit of time, but once you start doing it, it drastically helps your positioning. If you first get into a wave though, or you're at the start of the session, you're not sure what to do, just start observing the wave, watch it, stand up on your feet and don't worry about what you're doing and just figure this one out. If you're trying to improve your reading the ocean, just observe it, slow down. Don't be afraid to waste a wave and just have a go at just reading a wave, seeing what it wants to do. Match that up to the inputs that you've had prior to catching that wave. So there is a slight difference when we start talking about point breaks, beach breaks, reefs. And at this point, we still haven't even got onto the crowd, but we're still reading the ocean to help us. Reefs can be a bit more predictable as the reef doesn't move. We kind of all know that. But when you compare it to a sandbank, that's when we start having a bit of frustration. With a reef, it's a game of what is the tide doing and what are the conditions doing. You can tend to predict how that wave wants to break. You can compile that on with reading the wave before you get in, what you do when you're in the lineup, reading the whitewash, and then just constantly keep checking back in. Point breaks, I personally love. This is a result of growing up and surfing the Gold Coast all my life, apart from now being in the UK, but they're more predictable. They break one way and the rough rule of thumb is go position more on the inside, closer to the beak and less on the shoulder. If you're struggling to catch waves in a crowd at a point, ask yourself, should I be closer to the inside? By this, I mean, should you paddle across the lineup to position closer to where it's breaking? This is not to be confused with paddling up the point. It's also not to be confused paddling to the inside where the inside waves are reforming, breaking, anything like that. Up the point means follow along the line it breaks. 
but if you're too wide, you'll still miss waves. If you're sitting in a good spot and don't want to paddle up to the point, but you are a bit wide, go paddle across and position more on the inside, closer to where it's breaking. Pretty much every point break has about 50% of the surface sitting way too wide and out of position. It's an easy win and by no means does paddle towards the inside means, yeah, surf the smaller waves. It's just about positioning better to the bank where the waves are constantly breaking. Again, treasure map, how fast is it running? Use that kind of knowledge to combine it all. Beach breaks are hit and miss. And this is the main reason you want to use the treasure map and all these observations because it's less predictable. Especially if you live in the UK or parts of Europe where you've got six meter tides and things change in half an hour. So with a beach break, it comes down to this, you need to constantly be checking in, constantly aware of what's going on because this is where typical crowds will become sheep and people just follow everywhere. And you could end up being in the worst bank on the worst section sitting wide. So beaches, this is like your bread and butter before you go, when you go out, while you're out there catching waves, paddling out, keep doing it. So we can't talk about catching waves, reading the ocean better without discussing the Oreo biscuit. If you aren't aware of what the Oreo biscuit is, it is our easier way of trying to catch waves using the waves energy and how to glide into waves instead of stress paddling. It's the last thing you want is to be stress paddling. You want to be calm and relaxed. This deserves its own guide, but I really just wanted to touch over some of the common problems people have. If you've never heard about it, you're unsure, you've lived under a rock. In the show notes for this, there'll be the full guide written out right up. There will be a YouTube video in there. You can also just go to YouTube on B, how to catch more waves. You'll find the video there. But it's all about how you use that wave's energy because you're never going to paddle as fast as a wave. So it's all about how well can you tap into the wave's energy to get that push and feel the lift. The trick to this is if everyone else is stress paddling and paddling wide, it's going to help you get more waves. The problem most people come onto with the Oreo biscuit is, and it's because they're sitting wide. It's generally what the problem is. The worst thing people do with the Oreo biscuit is they sit wide, they sit on the shoulder and they go, why isn't this doing it? And the thing you need to understand is the Oreo biscuit works best in the pocket where the waves lift and energy is the strongest. And if you're out on the shoulder and it's not really lifting up yet, the wave's not standing up, it's not really going to work. You're trying to tap into something that hasn't really had the chance to form. The other thing is from people being afraid of the lift. They're unsure of what it feels like. And when this wave comes in and starts pushing you and you start tapping into that and they bail out or they back out instead of committing. And I don't mean bailing from the wave. I mean stopping the Oreo biscuit technique altogether, stress paddling, chin down, paddle harder, those kind of things. It's this moment of, oh crap, what's going on? I, this doesn't feel right. And people, it's a, it's a thing I've struggled with. To You have to try and feel this and not be afraid to waste a wave to try and understand this feeling of gliding in, pushing up, and just letting this wave push you. I wanted to go through the Oreo biscuit in more depth, but it 
feels like it needs its own podcast episode. So I'm going to leave it there. These are just the two problems. I'm going to assume most people know about it so that we don't go in depth to it. But I will do an episode on it eventually. For now, the YouTube video is there. I want to keep moving forward with this and giving you the straight to point stuff. So there's another quick thing that people will generally think about when getting more waves in a crowd and that's volume. And I'm not going to deep dive on volume, but you don't need extra volume to solve this issue. That is a quick fix in most cases. Yes, there is an argument of right tool for the right job, but I will always look at this as what's the board I want to be riding when I catch a wave? Not what board am I taking so I can just catch a wave? Think about that one for a minute. This also obviously needs to take in your skill level, what you're comfortable with, et cetera, et cetera. What I'm trying to say is getting a bigger board to deal with a crowd is not the answer. It's a band-aid fix. And that allows your bad habits to keep existing. You want to improve your ocean awareness, reading the ocean, confidence in the lineup and managing crowd will do so much more for you that doesn't cost the price of a board. That just takes a bit of patience and working on it each surf. But that's also not to say you can't surf a bigger board. It's just surf the board you want to suit the conditions rather than if there's a crowd or not. So if there's, if surf the board that you would surf when there's two people out or 40 people out, if that makes sense. So now I'm going to give you some stuff I want you to do your next surf or the next time you try and work on this. So if you're already working on other things, stick with that and come back to this when you want to work on it. When you go for your next surf, I want you to observe the crowd before you get in. Take those five minutes. Just watch, think, what can I learn? Where can I position? And usually most of the surfers aren't even on the peak and they're paddling for the shoulder. So how many of those people can you forget about? What does the crowd actually look like once you start figuring out where the waves are and how many people are just stuffing it up? Before you get in, find the peak again. Are there any surfers actually sitting there? Are they getting any waves or just bobbing around? Who's getting more waves than the others and how or what are they doing to get more of those waves? This comes back to episode two where you'll find advanced servers are paddling across the beach, not to the beach to catch a wave. They're positioning themselves better to the peak. Then look for the treasure map left behind the waves if you can see it from the shore. This whitewash left behind all the waves that shows you how the wave broke and where the bank is. Ask yourself, is the whitewash map consistent? Do I need to move to the peak? How are the waves breaking? Etc. So now that you've identified where to sit and how much competition you have in the water, it's now a case of navigating the crowd and using the waves energy to catch waves easier. And I want to set you this goal. So when you're in a crowded lineup, your goal is simply to outposition the rest of the crowd. That's it. It's a game and a goal and everyone's competing but not everyone knows about the competition. If the other surfers aren't going to sit at the peak or the bus stop, that's their issue and not yours. Don't result to paddling for the shoulder because a bunch of other surfers are sitting there. You won't catch many waves on the shoulder. Just get a good workout paddling. So really quickly, to cap off the end of this episode, I wanted to just give the short and sweet of the etiquette and... Episode two, what you know if paddling is wrong and how to you know, paddle to the peak rather than to the beach. 
So remember that your main goal with paddling is to position better and your paddling isn't about paddling in towards the beach. All you're doing is moving away from the wave. You need to move to where the wave is breaking, meaning sideways across the beach. Position better and then the wave is closer. Then at the final couple seconds, then paddle towards the beach and tap into the waves energy to catch it. You can't match the wave speed. You'll be surprised how many people only paddle towards the beach and not to the peak. Or how many waves pass people by and they could have paddled 10 to 20 meters over to position themselves for it and catch it. It's madness. I watch it and I think, whoa, if you're not going to do it, then I'm going to do it. And if these people don't do it, I then realize they will allow me to do it, that I can pass them. I can paddle 20 meters over while kind of going around them to get there if they're not going to do it. The other obvious questions is etiquette. I do suggest going to the whole episode, but the short and sweet of it is you don't want to be that surfer in the lineup. You want to be having fun, sharing waves, not being seen as a hog or dropping in on someone. So with positioning the crowd, don't paddle around someone. Sit next to them, hang tight. When they catch a wave, take their spot. If you catch a wave, go back to exactly where you're sitting. That's totally fine. So long as you don't snake someone and paddle right over their shoulder. If they're five to 10 meters away from you, that's fine. If you paddle 10 meters past them, that's fine. You're in a pretty much different takeoff spot. If they're not going to sit right at the peak, that's their fault, not yours. But be friendly, smile, say hello. Nothing is worse than that grumpy local getting all the waves. So just open up, smile. You'll be surprised how much this works. And if you're struggling to catch waves in a crowd lineup, I will again just say, watch the better surfers. Follow them. They're not going to be annoyed with you being around them. Just don't make it too obvious that you're following them if they're going up and down the beach, up and up and up, and they're moving like 100 meters each way to different banks. That's going to be a bit weird if you follow them to every bank. But just follow them around that one bank that you're on or the point and keep using them as a reference and be like, why is this person getting all the waves? And then try and match it. And finally, if you do see that surfer in the lineup who's getting everything and you're kind of getting annoyed or it's a slow day and it's becoming frustrating, just paddle over to them and start a friendly chat. You will be surprised at how this is the easiest way to disarm that person. And maybe they'll sit there and be like, yeah, you take this wave. It happens to me. I always get aware of it when someone starts chatting to me like, oh, you're getting a lot of waves today. And I'm like, oh, okay, I better slow down. It's that person then becomes less focused on the wave. So this is a big episode, a little bit longer than usual, but it all comes back to this Read the ocean, best thing you can do. Watch the whitewash, watch the waves coming in, forget the crowd and try and pick out the people in the crowd who are actually doing something well. And you'll be surprised that you may see 50 surfers, but 30 of them are pretty much dead in the water and not doing anything. So you can forget about them. Or they're not at your skill level and you're at a lower skill level and they're leaving the waves that are free. It really doesn't matter. It's finding the area you wanna be at that will give you the best surf. So there you have it. And like I said at the start of this episode, the Ombi method 2.0, whatever you want to call it, is out now. You can find it through the community platform if you're already a member. If not, you will find a link in the show notes to this episode. That will teach you everything you need to know 
about kind of what you're going through in your surfing and why some things don't click, the stress, the anxiety, changing your line, the difference between beginners and intermediates and advanced. It is not just a program going here, this is what Ombi does. This is really more so applying what we've learned in coaching surfing to people and making them feel understood and identifying what the hell's going on and how we can be smarter at surfing and how we can make it easy rather than keep trying to go through the hard way. If you haven't already, by the time this episode will be out, there will be about nine days left. We have a lifetime membership deal. So as we have gone subscription, you can find in the show notes a link to our membership that will give you access to everything. If you already had some of our full programs, you will have lifetime access to everything already. If not, just email us at info at If you want to have lifetime access and don't like a subscription, we currently also have at that same link a full discount on it, which means you'll never pay again as a thanks for supporting us over the last couple of years while we've been building the groundworks for Ombiers. And if you want to find the program for you, you're not sure where to start, you can go to the other link in the show notes where to start with Ombi and you can filter through all the programs and find roughly where you want to work on. Otherwise, always reach out to us. We're happy to help. It would also mean a lot to us if you've been enjoying the podcasts. Just leave a quick review wherever you're listening to it. Whatever it is, I don't mind what it is. You can say anything like top bloke, doesn't matter. Um, it just helps us get this out. Otherwise, if you've got some friends, share this out to your friends who are surfers. Otherwise, the very, very end, it was amazing to see and meet the group at the wave pool in England. So for everyone who came, thank you for making it such an amazing day. So rewarding to meet everyone, do some coaching and see such quick improvement in only two hours of surfing. Uh, It's, yeah, why we do this. So for everyone who was there, for the people who couldn't make it, we will be doing more events. So stay tuned. Until then, I'll see you next time.